Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. What's up, mate? Well, despite not thinking like I had enough intelligent things to say about the Madrid tournament and tennis. It turns out we don't even have to talk about the Madrid tournament and tennis. We can talk about everything else that happened at the Madrid tournament. Well, I'm glad you decided to uh, chip in on that because, you know, I've been hustling and hassling you for a couple of days now. I'm like, Caitlin, sometimes we don't need to talk about tennis. Sometimes we don't need to talk about the winners and the losers. Although I'll give you a little quick recap for all of you tennis nuts. Um, obviously, we saw Sabalenka win against Iga Swiatek. Now, I wasn't surprised about that result, to be quite honest, because, look, Madrid is altitude, a little bit of altitude. It always helps the big servers, big returners, big ball strikers, players that not necessarily are true grinders of clay. Um, and I say that because Rafael Nadal, for example, has won Madrid three times okay he's won the french open 14 okay and every other clay court tournament around that season rome you know monte carlo barcelona etc i'm fairly sure he's won all of them like at least 10 times so it doesn't necessarily lend itself to uh you know your typical a court clay court player so i wasn't super shocked that she lost i actually thought i actually gave a little bit of an edge to sabalenka only because look she's playing great you know, they played each other recently in Stuttgart. She would have learned a lot of lessons from that. And also the altitude really does help her and it helps her big serve. I mean, we saw it. It was very much on display. And Igor is coming back from an injury. So, look, as good as she played to get to the final, as well as she played to get to the final, I think she was still slightly underdone. And I just gave Sabalenka the edge because of the way she played. Now, there was no guarantees. Like, I wouldn't have bet my house on it. But I'm not shocked. Um, and then the flip side is I'm not shocked at all that Alcaraz won. And look at the guy he played in the final. I mean, Struff is a servant volleyer, essentially, and a guy that comes in the net quite a lot with a big flat serve that lost in qualies and, you know, loses to Karetsev and then ends up beating. So, you know, the guy, um, it, it wasn't surprised to see that guy in the final too. So, you know, for everyone there, hanging their hats on the results in Madrid, calm the farm, let's wait for Rome. It is a little Rome bit of an better. anomaly in the clay court season because as you said, it's the altitude. We've had some other sort of, I don't want to say unorthodox champions, but not exactly the people you necessarily expect to see. That said, I was so excited uh, about the quality of the match 
especially on the women's side. Oh, Although yeah. both matches were really quality. The the quality of the Iga Shviantek Arena Sabalenka matchup is only getting better and more exciting. Yeah. I thought both of those players played really well. And also, you know, I've upset the country of Poland by saying, you know, Iga's not necessarily my favorite to watch. I have lots of other terrible opinions that you probably will hate. Like I don't really like dogs or, you know, I prefer vanilla ice cream to I mean, chocolate. It's a wonder. It's actually a wonder we're friends to be quite <laughs> honest, but I love watching Iga play when she's playing against a completely different style of player and watching her defend, which she does impeccably, probably better than anybody else playing. Uh, certainly on the women's side, she reminds me a lot of Djokovic in that way movement, flexibility, ability to generate, you know, defense to offense. It's so fun to watch her play against Arena Sabalenka because the two of them just have such a nice sort of duality. And so this is a rivalry I'm super here for. And the, the match was really high quality. The men's side, it was funny because I was talking with uh, Andrea Prakovic, our friend, a couple of days ago. And she was like, I have to say, Struff getting to the finals is indicative of the fact that the men's tour is a little bit in disarray. I don't know if I want to be that harsh because, again, it is, you know, altitude. Careful. Careful. <laughs> and listen, those are her words, not mine. Her words. Um, but I wonder what you think about that, because Carlitos, you know, lifting the trophy at the end of that week is not an incredible surprise to people. But I do think uh, Struff getting to the finals is, no? Especially, as you said, uh, after he lost in quality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one would have. If you had said, you know, Struff will be in the final of Madrid, um, I'll give you $10 million or you pay me 100 you'd take that back. There's no way you would think that guy was getting to the final. So yeah, there's no question. Um, look, as I said, look, the guy, he's had good results um, from time to time in the past. He's actually been playing quite well this year. So not a surprise. Um, ultimately, it, with the way he plays with the big serve, the big, you know, groundies, uh, big flat forehand, you know, kind of thing. So, so, but it was nice. It was nice to see Alcaraz get the win there. Obviously the Spanish crowd, you know, they just, Everybody loves this guy. I mean, you can't help but love the guy. And and as you said, the quality of the women's match was fantastic. fantastic. Now we we flip to great men's doubles match too. You know, between two really well known singles players in Hutchinoff and Rublev, ended up beating you know um, Rohan Bapana and Matt Ebden, Aussie you know and Indian specialists in doubles. And uh, you know, they get to have a funny speech. They 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 were he was Rublev was really funny. He's kind of like. Hey, we don't mean to take you know your your doubles titles away. Your livelihood. But, That's right. <laughs> but but it was fun. You know, he's like my childhood friend in Hachinov, and he's actually he's actually playing again this week. Uh, there's a lot of doubles guys playing doubles this week as well because they know they have a week off before the French, so they're trying to get as much tennis in as possible. But um, but then we switched to the women's doubles, and the tournament director and tournament head honchos guys decide that you know what they've been a little bit upset about what the women have said in the post matches in the women's singles final eager giving him shit about finishing at one in the morning uh vika talking about cake gate um which you know, we should et cetera, explain et cake gate she and carlitos alcaraz both had birthdays during the tournament that was arena arena that's what vika. i said oh sorry uh arena had cake uh, cake given to her that was a nice little cake and then carlos alcaraz looked like he got the kind of cake that somebody might jump out of because it was about four <laughs> times the size and again i didn't really like ugh, who cares i don't even like cake another controversial opinion but people took notice let's not forget he was also given his on the court and she was given hers in like 
you know, the players lounge. Here you go. Thanks for coming. <laughs> so that was another thing. But um, we also haven't spoken about the bowl girls outfits oh, on yeah, center yeah. court, like so sexist, so misogynist to put these girls on center court in these outfits. Like, come on, just put them in a regular like ball kid outfit and have regular ball kids. Uh, but no, th- I mean, they've been doing that for years and we kind of touch upon it from time to time, but it was just the, it was just the escalating layer upon layer upon layer of the misogynist shit that we saw in Spain. And the fact that, Jessica Pagula said, we knew nothing about this until literally, and Vika Azarenka said it again today on uh, the the coverage, no one told them. They just literally, as they were walking up there, were like, oh, by the way, we're not having any speeches. You're like, what? By the way, is is incredibly insulting. It's it's incredibly insulting and it's unheard of. Also, Jessica Pagula and Coco Goff, who ended up coming in second in that tournament, great match, warriors. They're also like formidable singles players. So these are like, Name brand known knowns, uh, and the chance the to number deny three them. Player, the number three player in the world, the number five, and a two time Grand Slam singles champion in Vika Azarenka and uh, Hadad Maya. Okay, um, not as, as big established name, but you know, as big a name in Brazil as you can get. And you don't let them speak because you're quote unquote may be worried about what they're going to say. I mean, did you did you see Tommy Haas pull, you know, Medvedev off the court before he did his speech at this at, at, in Indian Wells after he'd been literally giving the like the tournament shit for 10 days about how bad the court was. This is an, you didn't see him go, well, look, we're not going to let you talk. Okay? Yeah, well, you can't gonna... be trusted to say only complimentary things so you don't get the microphone. No, they also, it wasn't like it was asking of Iga, who, whose critiques of the late night matches played and the women bearing the brunt of that was incorrect. She was completely correct. And to Iga's great credit, she's been a very outspoken and consistently, I think, sort of activist number one player, which is awesome. You know, there should be room in tournament discourse for people to have um, you know, opinions at the, at the same time, I think all of these players know because they're so professional that the post-match speech is not necessarily one where you want to bring a 25 point manifesto, which is what, not what she did. And it's also not what, um, you know, Arena Sabalenka did about the cake. And if anything, Victoria Azarenka between the two events, cake gate and doubles gate mentioning the cake had a, had a different size and also the extremely provocative ball girl outfits which really dated to the time that Ion Tyriak owned the tournament. And you thought when he sold it to IMG a few years ago, they would have ended the practice. They didn't, even though by the end of the tournament, they had, you know, dressed them back into non-provocative, like non-Hooters girls outfits. But it's just like, come on, they guys. Cool culottes on. Yeah, I mean, they look bad and in, in, they didn't look great, but at least they didn't look like they were, Ugh. you know, about to hop on a pole. So Working for me- I tried not to talk about this because I really don't want this to be like the podcast where we harangue everyone, but it just kept happening. And the women had such good things to say about it. And it kept sort of getting escalated because the tournament, and this to be clear, has never been one of my favorite tournaments. I don't like the optics optics of Madrid. I don't. uh, And by that, I mean, the stadium doesn't look good on TV because of the shade. The boxes in the seats are so high. It kind of looks like you're watching it from sort of like, you know, Star Wars-esque Imperial Destroyer. Just, you look, you look at how beautiful the, cr- the court in Rome is and how gorgeous the environs. And this is coming from somebody who has lived in Spain, who loves Spain, 
who likes Madrid a whole lot. But I think for me, the tournament has never really been my favorite. But then you add on all these shenanigans. And listen, I'm not trying to critique Feliciano Lopez, who's the tournament director, because I don't know that he is. But there's also another guy that's a big part of it as well. There's another guy that's a big part of those decision-making things, and I think he had a lot to do with it. But the fact also, may I add, on Twitter, the uh, that the the guy that sort of runs the tournament above Feliciano, uh, or maybe he's the Spanish uh, Federation guy, he has a photo of the doubles players for the men, a picture of them, a picture of Carlos winning, a picture of Sabalenka winning, no picture of the doubles, no no picture of the doubles winners. Listen, not only did you not let them speak, you couldn't even put a photo of them. They didn't do anything wrong. And you still didn't put a photo of them up there saying, congratulations, ladies. Hope we, hopefully you come back next year. I'd be like middle finger to all of you guys. I mean, and <sighs> TikTok, tickety talk. What's the day? How many days has this happened since? And guess who hasn't made a public statement yet? Ha, ole. The WTA. Now, I know I've heard from sources that they're working behind the scenes on releasing a statement. Guys, it's a simple fucking statement. You say we are very unhappy with the way our ladies doubles finalists and champions were treated. We will um, we are in discussions. Okay, we're in discussions of how we are going to handle this going forward. But at, we want to put out there right now that we are not happy with the way that was handled. That's it. You don't have to go into big fucking like, you know. Uh, you know yeah, you don't have to come release. out with an f- 18-point plan about, you know, what you expect the tournament to do better. But I do think, yes, again, the optics of does this Players Association have your back, women? Are you guys allowed to sort of speak out and be the, and again, to Iga's credit, to Vika's credit, God knows she's outspoken. You know, this is, these are the most highly paid, highly watched, highly endorsed, highly sought after female athletes in the world. And they should and do have strong opinions about when they're scheduled, what kind of uh, treatment they see other women getting on the court, meaning ball girls dressed provocatively in lascivious outfits. And you know, little things that seem petty, like the size of a cake and where that cake gets delivered feel like, yeah, maybe in, in one-offs, it's maybe not a pattern, but this tournament, I think, especially again, under Ian Tyriak, but now under IMG's management should be doing better. So I don't disagree. I think the WTA should say something. Um, and I also think the ATP should say something. I mean, come on guys, like have some solidarity with these women. You're, you're, you guys would have been furious had, had Rublev and Kachanov not been able to speak. So why not be united, which is something that the tours have been very sort of overtly embraceful of, and do it together and just say, hey, we're not going to play tournaments that aren't equal pay. We're not going to play tournaments that don't have equal treatment. And it doesn't take a whole lot because of how much we know these joint events drive revenue, drive interest, drive attendance, drive broadcast rights. Just we know when the women and the men are combined together the tournaments do better and the fans win. And so treating both equally 
and addressing when things like this happen, but from both the tournament leadership, the tour level, and really having some solidarity from the men too, I think is, is really critical. So I don't disagree with any of that. And like I said, I was trying not to talk about this because one, one or two of these things, I was like, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And then I was like, Jesus, you're right, Renee, we have to get on the stick and talk about this because it's just such a glaring example of how the sport still has so far to go in the way that the I mean, tournament can get away with doing this. Caitlin, they literally silenced women. They literally silenced those women. Like, I'm sorry, fuck you. Are you kidding me? Like, sorry, we're not quite sure what you're going to say, so we're just going to not let you speak. I mean, you know, that photo of Vika Azarenka, like, sitting in front of Coco and Jessica, like, saying, uh, they're not going to let us speak. They already told us. Like, how embarrassing how embarrassing. Now, how about this? How about the tournament directors go to the WTA staff and the communication department and say, please have a word to your players. We appreciate, we know we've fucked up this week. We know there's been some issues. We're uh, very apologetic. We're very sorry. We're internally looking at this. We know that we've messed up. Um, but, you know, uh, and, and the girls can say what they want, but, you know, if, if, they can be just a little bit more positive, maybe in the pre like try not to say anything. We're happy to talk to them about stuff. Like if that's what you want to do because you're that worried about what women are going to say, maybe go that route. But to actually go up to them and say, we're just not going to let you talk is absolutely outrageous. And well, I hope I do WTA have some breaking news. Them. I do have to, that, you're right. They should find them. And I do have some breaking news. The tournament CEO, Gerard Sobanian said it would never happen again. He said he was sorry and that they're working with the WTA. And again, is this enough of an apology four days later after they got slammed six ways till Sunday and no. this became headlines and news all over the place? Like, absolutely not. But, I, but I, hold on a second, time now. Swimsuit season is upon us as the spring goes on. And that is why today's podcast is brought to you by one of my favorite partners of ours, Sakara. Their flexible signature nutrition program makes it easy to plan nourishing, feel-good meals around your busy spring schedule. Dinner plans this week? You can sign up for breakfast and lunches. If you're in takeout, you can choose dinners and customize even more when you subscribe. The options are endless and they're catered to your taste and time. Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their science-backed, ready-to-eat meals deliver results you can see and feel. From weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash racket to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash racket. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why? What? In my opinion, what is the... I want to hear from the WTA. What are the WTA saying about this? Like, honestly, if I'm the WTA representative, which they're all out there, you always hear them say, we'd like to thank the WTA representative, the tournament direct, uh, tournament uh, director, the, the tour director, the blah, blah, blah. Why aren't they saying, wait, 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 time out. You're not letting our players speak? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. That's not happening today. You are letting our players speak right now. Like, if I'm a WTA representative on the court, I'm like, um, hell no. So why did that happen in the first place is what I want to know. Again, uh, I'm asking the questions that, that that should be answered already. Yeah, you are. And I think the my point about solidarity and my point about having transparency is one that, again, these tours just haven't embraced. They don't like people telling them how to be, they clearly don't want to have um, an externally facing process. And I think, again, it puts them at odds with the rest of the sports world, which does do due diligence, both from the reporting side, because the commissioners of these other leagues know that they have to show up in front of the press. They know that the press is going to be asking them some questions that they're going to have to have good answers for. And there's an expectation that there's accountability that again, hasn't happened in tennis because everybody's sort of done a lot of patting each other on the back. And, and I think allowing each other to kind of get away with stuff, but you're absolutely right. I think courageous leadership requires somebody in the moment to say, Oh no, 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 no. We're going to have a protest and I'm going to set this place on fire. If you guys do not give the microphones to Beatrice Haddad Maya, Victoria Azarenka, Coco Goff and Jess Pagola. I don't disagree with you at all. I just think, yeah, for me, if they, if, if the WTA went and did that and said that to them and said, wait, no, 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 you're letting, and they didn't, I would, I would literally get the players and I would say, we're walking off the court right now. We're walking off the court right now. Well, we're going to let you have a speak. We're going to put a microphone in front of you and you're going to put this out on Twitter. We're going to put this out on the socials. That's what I would have done. And the fact that it's taken this guy, what, four days now, this Gerard Sorbanian to come out. Well, that is his name. So you can't say his name like it's a pretend guy. You're like this quote unquote Gerard Sorbanian. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Gerard (laughs) Sorbanian, I know the guy. I know what he, I know him. I know what he looks like. I know everything about this guy. It's like, wait a second it's taken you four days to say oh look you know we're really sorry we apologize you know we're working internally with the players we made a mistake think about what you did imagine if that was the only tournament 1000 wta 1000 that you ever win in your career clearly all of these players will probably win another one but can you imagine if it was the only tournament that they won and you took that moment away from them oh as an ex-player was in that situation many times fuck you for doing that to them that is outrageous that is it is the one thing that players really look forward to after a tremendous tremendously long two weeks 
or week, depending on the tournament, is, you know, when they win a tournament, the, the honestly, the, the first thing you think of is, I finally get a chance now to thank my people publicly. I finally get a chance to thank my doubles partner publicly. I finally get a chance to thank the tournament on the ball kids and the, you know, the fans. And publicly. my family and that maybe be- flew in here from somewhere else and took time yeah. out of their lives right. to make sure that they could be here to see this moment. You're right. It's, it's a disgrace. It is honestly a disgrace. Yeah. And I think honestly, yeah. the thing that I'm sort of, I don't want to say positive or excited about because I think emotionally we're both having very intense responses to this. But I think for me, what's exciting about it is that they had to apologize. Again, is it enough? No. Is it too late? Yes. Is it indicative of a subculture, especially with that tournament in particular, but many, many others like Rome, for example, which is not paying women equally, Cincinnati, which we should talk about, which doesn't also pay women equally, but I think there's hope on the horizon. What I like about this story and why I'm happy we're talking about it and why I finally agreed, despite not having watched every second of tennis and not wanting to um, come off as ill-prepared, is just that I think that the media and the blogs and the Twitter and the players themselves have started speaking up, being a little bit more diligent, being a little bit more present and realizing how much tennis should be covered. And what was impressive to me is the stories didn't come from the usual sources that usually only cover tennis and they do it in a way that's like a little bit kid gloves, you know, like the WTA and ATP's own media channels. They had, it was beyond um, sort of, you know, tennis.com, which tends to be, again, pretty soft. It was from real news places. It was from the New York Times. It was from um, the Daily Mail. It was from the New York, uh, it was from the BBC. This got picked up and actually carried by real media. And I think for that reason, the tournament had to apologize. I think and hope that this cycle keeps happening and it happens faster. And I also just really want to shout out to the players themselves, especially Vika, who really got the ball rolling, but also to Iga, to a smaller degree, Arena, who didn't seem that upset about the cake, but did mention it. And to Jess Pagula, who was asked about it in press conferences and and said she was disappointed and didn't want to see it again. Speaking out matters. It gives external media, especially media that isn't in these newsrooms covering tennis day in and day out. um, It gives them a chance to understand and get contextualized and use your platform to pull them into the sport and make it more, I think, uh, open to change because it's introducing some uh, accountability. I love that. And I think that's a really good trend. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Yeah. I mean, I got to give credit to our young champions though, you know, players like Coco Goff, who was the first one that wrote a Twitter. She wrote a thread immediately after. And I, this kid, she stands up for, she's, She's outspoken, and I really like that about her. Me and too. as you said, Iga Swiatek is fantastic, world number one with you know speaking up uh, with certain things, whether it be Ukraine war or um, you know what happened uh, in the scheduling You're last scheduling? week. And yeah, then I respect that. I think it's using the the position of leadership and prominence that your ranking and your play and you being a champion athlete gives you. You're going to get a little bit more attention than you know maybe a a player who doesn't get to the end stages of the tournaments and all of the women we just talked about are really using it. And I really respect that. I think it's awesome. Can I, cause I, you know, I went on Twitter and I had a look at some stuff and I, I, I highlighted one, you know, response to all of this stuff. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to say the guy's name. His name is Steve SC. Okay. Steve USC one. 
This guy responds and saying, if they don't apologize, you complain. If they apologize, you complain. Iga, Sabah and Vika also weren't diplomatic in the way they publicly complained when they could have privately addressed it with the tournament. So let's not act. They are blameless. Time to move on. I mean, if that's not a guy's response to this. So uh, that's why I brought up the Medvedev. This guy is giving the tournament shit on a daily basis, every single match about the court, about he wasn't happy with this, he wasn't happy with that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you never said, I bet you Steve didn't say anything about that. And it's like, nobody said to him, listen, pull your head in. We're not going to give you a mic anymore. I mean, there's been so many players, particularly on the men's side, that have said stuff publicly, whether it be in press conferences or trophy celebrations or post-match interviews or whatever. And nothing's ever, no one, no one like gives them shit about it. So it's just like, uh, anyway, let's move on to other things. Well, this but, is uh, really think, great news. I, I'm happy that actually think, that ended up being sort of productive and you got to shame um, a dumb, you know, men's rights activist on Twitter. So good job. Steve, you're on notice. Renee, do not come for Renee unless you're prepared for her to come back at you. Um, yes. Can we talk about the most exciting news in at least American tennis? We Do you feel responsible for this? In the sense that I feel responsible generally for progress and for people to... <laughs> at least watch their backs. Not in a way that I, you know, I don't want to go after anybody, but yeah, I feel like being vocal is useful, but no, I think this plan was long in the works and I am thrilled about it, which is. That Cincinnati is going to be moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. Love it. I absolutely love it. Ben Navarro. It's going to be, it's going to be bloody hot. It is going to be very hot. I don't disagree with you. But then again, Cincinnati can be bloody hot too. So, you know, I mean, listen, the, most of the U.S. in mid-August is not is bloody, cool. bloody hot. I uh, got a few responses from folks after I praised the move saying, well, it would have been great if it was in the Pacific Northwest or it would have been great if it was in Chicago. Chicago, I actually think, uh, would have been a great contender because it's a real city. It's a real place. The Midwest doesn't have um, an, a tournament anymore, and it used to have a handful. Um, yeah. I suspected when Ben Navarro and BMOC, which is his company that has done, you know, we, we spoken about Charleston and how good that tournament is and how he's made that stadium multi-purpose. It's a concert venue. It's a year round draw. And this tournament really is incredibly good, largely because of his vision and money. Let's face it. When he bought Cincy, I think a lot of us were thinking, huh, it would be interesting if he left it there. And of course, now the plan is for them to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think there is a public-private partnership under sort of review in that city to create a stadium very similar to what he's done in Charleston, which is to create something that can be used throughout the year in a really good way, both for an entertainment purpose, putting other sporting events, putting concerts in the stadiums, but also as a facility that can train your local use, which is something that they've done in Charleston really well. I've been to Charlotte. I like it a lot. Um, Its charms are not as evident as Charleston. It's not a, you know, beautiful sort of river town, but it has a hell of a hot chicken sandwich. It's got regional (laughs) cuisine that is delicious. And what do you think, what do you think, Caitlin, what do you think they're going to do with that Cincinnati site now? Because, you know, they put a lot of money into it. What are they going to do with it? I mean, are they going to have another tournament there at some point, a smaller tournament? I mean, I think when I think about what makes Charlotte so much better than Cincinnati, setting aside my personal preferences, which is I'd much rather go a place with that has good food and is, you know, 
a little bit more accessible, especially. Well, for and let's are... not forget, let's not forget, it wasn't Cincinnati. It's Mason. Right. Okay. If it was in Cincinnati, I think that would have been much better for the players and everyone would have, it would have been a lot more popular with the players. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, Cincinnati was a pain in the ass for the players. The really the top, top players would rent a house close by and everyone else was schlepping and staying in these like just very ordinary like hotels close to the courts or they were staying about 30 minutes away because I know because that's where I was staying in a little bit nicer hotel, but it's a schlep to and from the courts every day. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that uh, is a lesson here is you have to think about what community you're serving and also what destination you're luring people towards. I mean, nobody is mad at going to Indian Wells in the middle of uh, a frigid time of the year for East Coasters or anybody who's basically, you know, above a certain latitude. And all of a sudden you've got uh, you know, gorgeous mid-century modern city that has hiking and all this stuff. So it's sort of like, well, yeah, going to Indian Wells in March is awesome. I don't think it would be great to go to Indian Wells in August, you know, so, but I think destination matters and also the ease and accessibility of a lot of these players who are traveling internationally to get to someplace. Cause to your point, getting to Cincinnati does not exist with a direct flight to, from Europe or a lot of, well, neither does Charlotte though. No, Charlotte is on a few international routes, in fact, because it is okay. similarly a hub for other airlines. I don't think it's, you know, as big as Atlanta, for example. But again, once you're there, you're there. You don't have to do another 40-minute schlep out to the suburbs and, you know, again, have this disconnected feeling. So for me, I don't know what they're going to do with the site. I think, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of NCAA tennis. I love college tennis. I love the idea of maybe using it as, I'm sure they'll use it as a challenger site. Um, but for a tournament that had very bad logos and very little appeal for a travel destination and one to me, most damningly that didn't pay women equally can't say I'm that sad about it. So sorry, Cincy, mm -hmm. you had your chance. Yeah. Now your new owner is going to put it in a place that I hope treats it well, embraces it the way that we've seen other really successful tournaments be embraced and work very cohesively with the city in which they're set. And I think this is a good example of like, look, nothing's set in stone. We thought San Jose was going to have a tournament forever. Mark Ein bought it, combined it with the existing tournament in DC. And now we have a really awesome tournament in DC to look forward to. Right. So there's changes. I will afoot, say, and we got to keep modernizing or else, uh, or else things need to get on the kill list. In my opinion. I will say the one thing that is disappointing for me in American tennis, at least for destination tennis, and we do have Indian Wells, which is fantastic. And I want to see more tournaments in California. You know, it is the one thing that I really am I'm sad about because, you know, we had so many when I played. We had San Diego. We had uh, L.A. at times. We had uh, Stanford. We had some great tournaments on the, on the West Coast. And it was really, really well attended. People loved to go to the tennis there. And it's a destination place. Like people want to go to California in the summer because it's not quite as balls hot as like, you know, the Northeast or yeah. the Midwest or whatever. You're I mean, right. California in summer is gorgeous, right? So I think, you know, somewhere down the line, I think there's a place for a really big tournament in California. It has to be strategically in a way where people can travel to it and it not be such a pain. Um, but I, I, I do hope that maybe prior or after you know, it's tough because Indian Wells, like ideally, you know, around Indian Wells would be good because players are there. But I don't know. It, again, well, it's I'm going to say something really controversial because I can't escape our podcast episode taping without saying something really controversial. I think that they should upgrade San Diego and make it yes. a combined and more of a tournament and make that the California swing. 
And I think that they should totally rethink Miami. Is Miami one of the best cities in America? Without a doubt. It's basically the, you know, Latin slam. I would prefer if we actually had a Latin slam and we could move something to, um, you know, a a different part of this continent or another continent uh, that's in our same sort of um, part of the world. But I do think Miami should be on clay and Miami should be in a different part of the calendar. And I think, uh, you know- I like that. I like that idea, actually. I mean, I could see something like uh, even like Charleston getting so big that they could have a combined event, for example. And we're spitballing right now. Um, and like you could do like a Mexico swing up to California, in, finish it with Indian Wells. Everyone goes to Miami and starts their clay court yeah, seasons over cool. on the East Coast. And then, bang, they go over to Europe and they start playing. Um, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Because I actually oh, think God. Charleston. With the commissioners. If we're the commissioners, I mean, listen, our newest issue of Racket is out. And in the issue, we have a really cool story about uh, clay and how it's made. And we went to both a traditional, you know, red clay uh, mine in Argentina. And we talked to a reporter and a journalist, Sebastian uh, Fest, who's Argentine, whose family did this and has owned a red clay sort of processing facility and we also sent our friend jerry maserati to the hard true mine down south to see where that some call it ugly i find it sort of you know uh stoic and approachable the hard true that gray clay that gray green clay is mined and the thing about hard true is it's a nice actually in in independent in between step between the speed of hardcore and the slowness of the red because it's really in between it's a little slippery but not as much it's it's fast but obviously way less fast than hard and i do think like it would be really fun to have a little like green clay swing in the southern states before people go off to to uh to Europe. And I think it would be really cool to really build out that San Diego, Mexico part of the calendar. Cause as we've talked about, we are massive fans of Mexico. Mexican tennis is on the ups. And, you know, I think again, what's about the best player experience, what's about the best scheduling experience and what's about the best uh, way to get fans and even casual people who just want to travel all coalescing around a place. And to me, Charlotte is maybe not the perfect solution in all ways, but it's a great one and I'm really happy and it's a massive improvement. I'm just super excited that we've got a guy like Ben Navarro, whose daughter, Emma Navarro, who just got into the top 100 in the world. Congratulations, Emma, who went, of course, to college and is now you know, trying to make it into the pro tour and has made it into the top 100. And she's a great player, super talented, like very talented, a lot of fun to watch. Um, I just love the fact that a guy with a lot of money is investing in tennis and he's a girl dad. And, you know, he's going to make sure women are treated equally at his event. And I am here for that. I thought a really funny tweet, can I just go back to the Madrid double situation <laughs> that someone posted, was someone said to Jessica Pagula on her tweet, um, why don't you just get your dad to buy the tournament? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's actually not a bad idea. Uh, you know, turn it into, uh, you know, Jess can run the tournament in the future. I mean, and listen, sure stuff like that. Fortunately and unfortunately for Jess Pagula, that does sort of solve all the problems. So like, Hey, is there a yeah. problem at Wimbledon? Cause they took points away or maybe from your view, it's more of a problem. They, you know, let are letting Belarusian players and Russian players or not play Jess Pagula, get your dad about the tournament. You know what I mean? Like, listen, <laughs> I, I am a fervent believer that our society should not have billionaires. That said, the ones who want to spend a lot of money on tennis are seem to be better intentioned Go and have it. a little bit more of a 
um, you know, uh, plan for tennis than do our governing bodies and tournament directors for sure. So, you know what, uh, if you're going to have all the money, spend it on tennis and do stuff like what Ben Navarro is doing. All right. Well, we have uh, now come in again. And once again, this is like the third or fourth part in a row where I have bitched about the WTA or something. So I'm getting tired of this, people. I really am. I know you probably don't realize that, but I'm getting tired of coming on to the pod and complaining about everything because I really don't want to. But, you know, there has to be some at some point I want it to be over and I want to move on talking about tennis. So we're going to talk about Rome uh, when the tournament is over. Obviously, it's super exciting that we finally have Novak Djokovic and Alcaraz in the same tournament. Let's hope that they get to the finals and play each other, and then we'll have a real great idea of who's going to win the French Open. Um, and in the women's side, we'll see what happens there. We had a bit of an upset today. Speaking of Jessica Pagul, lost to Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend grinding through qualies and then getting a terrific win over Jess Pagula. But, uh, look, we've got tons of tennis still to go on Caitlin's favorite service, the Red Clay. So, guys, thanks for joining us today. I promise, please, guys, stop pissing me off. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 